We've got a fine show for you this week. Do we? I hope we do. I think so. We're going to learn how to get rid of our self-doubt, I hope, on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science. And it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings and welcome to another episode of the Live Happy Now podcast. I am your host, J.R. Houston. Please, you are making us a part of your day wherever you are in the world and however you may be tuning in. We're just glad you're doing so. We're also glad that you are picking up copies of Live Happy magazine. The most recent issue is available and you can get it at Barnes & Noble or wherever fine magazines are sold. You can also get a digital edition available at the Apple Store and at the Google Play Store. But it's time now to erase some self-doubt. It's a problem that we've probably all had at some point or another. And Louisa Jewell is here to help us. She's the founder of the Canadian Positive Psychology Association, eh? Her new book, Wire Your Brain for Confidence in the Science of Conquering Self-Doubt, looks at why building confidence is more important than building self-esteem and some tools you can use to help build your self-confidence. Well, thank you for joining us today, Louisa. This is such a great topic, something that I think that most, if not all of us, can relate to. So, I wanted to find out what made you decide to focus on self-doubt. Well, Paula, the reason why I focused on self-doubt is because I was plagued by self-doubt for so many years. And people are surprised to hear that because I always came across as someone who was confident and I, I did things, but I really never went after the things that I really wanted in my life because I was just so plagued with self-doubt. And once I figured it all out and after I did my master's degree in applied positive psychology and I I got so much research and insights into how to conquer self-doubt, I thought I really have to share this. Well, that is interesting because having met you and knowing you, uh, self-doubt is not something that would come to mind. (laughs) And and so I'm curious, were you portraying yourself as confident but being self-doubting inside, or did you gain this confidence after you worked through your self-doubt? Well, I think it was both. I think it was both. So, you know, self-doubt was something that was robbing me of my happiness. So let me say a little bit more about that. You know, when I had a lot of self-doubt about my abilities, about my work, about my daily life, I would go home at night and question myself. So even though I might have put myself forward in something, at the end of the day, I'd come home and say, oh my gosh, what did I do? What was I thinking? I'm going to look so bad. This is going to be embarrassing. And my my nights were just filled with this kind of anxiety because, and then, and then as I would move forward doing something else, I was focused on, constantly focused on not failing, 
It was that kind of anxiety that I felt. So I would put 50 hours of work into everything that I would do because I wanted to think of everything that could possibly go wrong and then come up with a plan that would solve that. And so when you live with that kind of self-doubt, it comes with that level of anxiety no matter what you're doing with your life. And when I finally got rid of the self-doubt and I felt calmly confident, I didn't have that anxiety anymore. So it, it's not that I didn't have confidence to move forward. It's that then I had the confidence without the anxiety. I didn't question myself. I didn't ruminate over everything. I put the appropriate numbers of hours in so I wasn't exhausted all the time. And I focused more on joyfully engaging in the task rather than being focused on not failing. So it was just a tremendous burden lifted and I felt more joy every single day. When it probably to other people looked like you were an overachiever who was just, you know, covering all the bases and and making sure that, that everything was teed up for perfection, when in reality it was second-guessing yourself and, and being filled with doubt. Exactly. And, you know, when you drive your team like that, too, they're exhausted, too. So my team learned after a while, when, when I told them that I was a recovering perfectionist and wanted to get rid of, you know, <laughs> perfectionism they would you know I would say we have to do this and this and this and this and they'd say no no we're not doing it we're only doing one thing and I'd be like what and they're like you know they're like no <laughs> so, so it was good to kind of get my team on board with this too and and work through it and be able to feel comfortable because you know believe it or not I would you know put in the appropriate amount of effort and it was just fine you know, I didn't right. have to put in the, the, the 50 hours. That's such a great lesson that can be really difficult to learn. And you know, I wanted to find out where does that come from? Where does our self-doubt start developing and, and why does it become so cancerous and, and take over our lives? Well, first of all, you know, I think so many people, and, and this is natural for us to be plagued by self-doubt nowadays because, and researchers have discovered that really we are living in an ever-changing complex world and it's constantly challenging our ideas about who we are and our place in the world. You know, if you ask somebody 200 years ago, what would you be doing in five years? They would kind of look at you funny because they're like, well, I'm going to be doing exactly this, right? You didn't really change. You kind of did something your whole life and then you retired and, you know, everything. But it's like the same thing. I'll just be older. But Right. Right. Exactly. But now we don't live in that world anymore. We are always changing careers. We're moving from company to company, city to city. You know, for women, it's even worse because we have so many more socially acceptable options available to us. Should I be a stay-at-home mom? Should I work? Should I start my own business? Should I work for someone else? Uh, should I be a leader in my community? How do I give back through my volunteer work? And then there's, you know, is my home pretty enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I thin enough? You know, we're constantly always concerned with our looks. I mean, there's so much that we can be thinking about and always be wondering or always be questioning, am I good enough? And so when our desired place in the world is a constant moving target, it's hard for us to, to feel 
good enough in any area of our life, uh, in our lives, especially when we feel like we have to be excelling in so many domains of our lives. So I think that that self-doubt comes from this idea that things are constantly changing. So it constantly puts us into that question, are we good enough? So it's not that we are going to eliminate self-doubt from our lives. It's how do we manage it and how do we conquer it? And to answer your question too about where does self-doubt come from, so it could come from this constant changing, but also in the self-doubt research, we find that self-doubt is very socially constructed. So what does that mean? Well, we're very highly social creatures. We care about what other people think, especially our loved ones, because as human beings, we have a very deep and personal human need to want to belong. We don't want to be doing things that would garner criticism or rejection from our peers and loved ones because that might threaten our social standing. That is mm-hmm. uncomfortable for us, right? So, sure. so we have yeah, so we have a fabulous new idea and we question ourselves and we worry, you know, what if we fail? So our natural tendency would be to stop ourselves from doing it. It's not so much fear of failure, it's fear of failing in front of our social network that is the fear. So if we can have some awareness of how our sensitivity to the opinions of our social network plays out or plays into our self-doubt, then we're one step ahead in dealing with it. And I know that social network is a personal thing, a one-on-one face-to-face thing, but it's also obviously online. And how does all the social media and the magnifying glass that it puts on us personally, how does that play into undermining us and undermining our confidence? Well, that's a really good question, Paula, because we, again, as social creatures, how do we learn everything? We learn by watching others. That That's how we do it. It was interesting. Yesterday, I was going for a walk through a forest with my dog and there was a mother and her three-year-old child walking in front of me. Now, the mother was supporting her back because she was very pregnant. So, you know, you can see women who sort of have both hands on the small of their back because they're they're trying to walk and, and support themselves. And her daughter exactly the same thing had her hands behind her back <laughs> supporting really? her back and it and i just thought isn't that so interesting that this is how we learn that's a perfect example we watch others and we say well that's what i should be doing too i'm i'm a girl just like my mom and so if she's doing that that's how i need to be walking too it was the cutest thing and so i think it's natural for us on social media to take a look and say, oh, well, that woman is so thin and beautiful and has no wrinkles and blah, blah, blah. And so I need to be like that. Or every woman should be like that. Or I should be thin like that. Or I should be accomplishing just like that person over there. So it's natural for us to feel that way. And so if we can stop comparing ourselves to those images and instead say, I'm going to run my own race. I'm going to be Mm -hmm. focused on my own life and I'm going to set my own measurements as to what makes me happy. You know, the day that I finally decided to say, this is what success means to me, you know, and, and I had certain things on my list, like I wanted to have a good family life and I wanted to have excellent friends and I wanted to have a career that I loved 
and I, I wanted to give back to people. I wanted to be in a career where I was helping others. And I, I set my own criteria. And once I was able to set my own criteria, then I didn't care what other people were doing so much. Now I can look to other people for inspiration. I can see a friend of mine far away who's doing something really interesting. And instead of being jealous of her, I can say, wow, some of that for me, please. I would like yeah, to Yeah, I think we've all had that experience where a friend has something great happen or they accomplish something and you, you know that your reaction should be good for you and instead it's, why not me? Yeah, and, exactly. And so how, how do we as people and women in particular get past that? Because I, I, I think that happens a lot and I think it happens with increasing frequency now thanks to social media and, and where people's accomplishments do become uh, more emphasized. Yes, exactly. Well, I have a great strategy for that, and I learned this strategy from my dear friend Marcy Shymoff, who wrote a book, uh, Happy for No Reason and Love for No yeah. Reason. And Marcy has a great comeback for that. And it's, again, instead of looking at someone and saying, oh, you know, I'm so jealous of them, or how come I don't have that? To just look and say, some of that for me, please. <laughs> and <laughs> I, find that, I find that so helpful when I can feel that little tinge of, you know, how come I don't have that? Yeah. You know, or they're, they're so happy and, and they have this. Um, like, for example, I'm going through a divorce and I'm not with someone some right now. And, you know, sometimes I can see a couple that's so happy and you might, you know, I might get that little moment of, oh, you know, I don't have right. that, right? And when I can quickly shift into, oh, look, they have something beautiful. Some of that for me, please. And I know it's going to come. It will come for me one day, too. And as long as I can keep myself open to receiving something like that, then I can always be in this feeling of it will come in the exact right time that it needs to come into my life and to just trust that life is going to be good that way. And that takes a lot of pressure off of you emotionally and physically because your body responds to that self-doubt and those feelings of angst. But that takes a lot of pressure off of you to have to be perfect and to have to have everything right now, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. And you know what else it does? It shifts you into positive emotion. So if you're constantly believing, right, if you're looking at that picture and saying, well, that's, you know, that's never going to happen for me. I mean, that's often why we get jealous because we think, you know, that's not going to happen. Then we walk around with that belief that it's not going to happen. When we wow. have that, when we have that belief in our head, guess what? We don't engage in the behaviors to make that happen. Instead, when we shift our belief and we say, ah, some of that for me we then shift into the belief it is going to happen for us. And then I am much more open and, and I'm much more likely to engage in the behaviors that will actually make that happen. And that's the science behind confidence, is understanding how your beliefs become self-fulfilling prophecies. So have a confident belief and you are much more likely to make things happen in your life and move towards the things you really want in your life. Oh, that's terrific because we do tend to feel like things happen to us and not necessarily because of us. And, and so being able to understand the connection of how we think and the actions we take and the end result is 
so very important. It is fair. It is critical. I was having dinner with a good friend the other day, and we visualize every day. So we have a vision of what we want to have happen, and we visualize every day. And we were having this dinner and saying, my gosh, look at even in the past two years, look what we've been able to accomplish because we have these positive expectations through these this visioning technique that we do every day that allows us to move towards what we really want to be doing. So it, it was really kind of a moment of, wow, look at look at how much our lives have changed in two years. <laughs> like, this really works. <laughs> yes, it really works. It's really amazing. Now, you, you know, a lot of people think you envision something and then, you know, you let it go and then you don't do anything. And, and envisioning just puts you in that positive state, state of mind. It broadens your thinking and it and it removes the resistance you need to then move towards doing the things that make you success. That's wonderful. And, you know, obviously the the flip side of self-doubt is confidence, which you've talked about. And can you explain to us why building that confidence is so crucial to experiencing true happiness? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, first of all, there's two reasons. So first, the reason why confidence is so important to happiness is because once you remove the blocks of self-doubt, you start to go after your dreams and the big scary goals you always wanted to achieve in your life. And when you can do that, you are living the life you always wanted for yourself. I mean, once I figured this out, I started to go after everything I wanted and now my life has become everything I always dreamed it would be. And that is a wonderful gift that I'm grateful for every single day. I pinch my Myself sometimes and I can't believe <laughs> that I do this every day and I'm actually making a living and I can pay you know the mortgage and I can you know and I can <laughs> I can live and put food on the table doing what I absolutely love to do so that's that's one way that uh, removing self-doubt having the confidence to move towards your dreams can can contribute so much to your happiness and the second reason is because we are so much happier when we are living an authentic life when we can truly be ourselves and sometimes that means we have to be able to stand up for what we believe in to live the life that is really a life where we are forging our own path that is aligned with our values and what we believe is important to us even if this life is very contrary to what everyone else thinks we should be doing or everyone else thinks we should be living a different kind of life and that takes a lot of courage and confidence to stand up and say you know you know what mom and dad or you know what bro and sister you know (laughs) I know perhaps maybe the life I want to live is contrary to what you think is right for me but this is really the right path for me and this is what is going to make me happy and to stand up courageously and confidently to be able to do that and go and live your life I think that is so critical to an authentic life and living authentically happy and then as you get results from it it just builds more confidence and more courage just as self-doubt does the opposite and undermining you each time you get an affirmation that you're on the right path then you get a little bit more confidence and maybe get a little bit more courageous to take that next step absolutely that's one of the best ways to build your confidence is you know if you're not sure about a certain thing and you know for example you you want to write a book but you're fearful about that take a baby step 
take a little baby step. Maybe you write an article for an online journal or you start blogging or something like that. So, and just as you say, when you start to have those little small wins, and you start to take those little baby steps and you're successful, it sends a message back to your brain, you can do this, you can do this. Especially if you believe, well, I did that. What's the next step? What's the next little baby step that will even build my courage more? And if you can start to take those little baby steps, you'll suddenly find, you know, over a year or two, that you're now at a way different level than you were before. So. Yeah, it is. First of all, this is such a great information, and I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to learn more through your book. I know we're going to tell them how they can uh, get to your site, get a free chapter of your book. But as they're listening today, what are two or three things that they can do right now today to start managing that self-doubt and, and start building confidence? Well, okay, so let me start off with, with one technique that I think is really important. And it's, it's a technique that I call practicing non-contingent self-esteem. Okay, so let, let me explain what this is. So contingent self-esteem is when we go out and we try something, and if it goes well, we feel good about ourselves. So that's what self-esteem really is, is just how do I feel about myself at any given time? Do I feel that I'm a good person? Do I feel that I'm a bad person? Do I feel that I'm intelligent? Do I feel that I'm accomplishing? How do I feel? It's kind of a global evaluation of how I feel about myself. So if I go out and I try something and it goes well, then contingent self-esteem says, it went well so you can feel good about yourself and if you go out and you try something and it went really badly or you failed then you feel bad about yourself because your self-esteem is contingent on how well you did so when you practice non-contingent self-esteem then what you're doing is you're saying I'm gonna feel good about myself no matter what so I'm gonna go try this new thing and if it goes well great I will learn from that and if it goes poorly fine I will learn from that too. So I had a, a client of mine who was a, a new comedian. So you can imagine what it's like to be a new comedian, all right, oh my. on the stage, right? <laughs> probably, probably the, no the scariest no. thing, right? <laughs> exactly, right? And she was never booking any gigs because she felt bad after every performance because she, she's not good at it yet. And when she got this whole idea about practicing non-contingent self-esteem, she decided no matter what happened with every set, she was going to feel good about herself. So if it went well, she would feel great. And if it didn't go so well, she would still feel great about herself, and then she would just learn. She would say, okay, what joke went really well, what did not go well, etc. And she would just analyze the performance, and then she would work on getting better the next time. And that's how she built her confidence. So if we can always be practicing non-contingent self-esteem, feel good about yourself, and then go after the things you really want to be doing, try them, whether you're good at them or not, just learn from them, try them again, and take yourself to the next level, and learn from that, and do it again. And what you will find is that the more and more you practice and do it, you will naturally build your confidence towards that. And it's so much easier when you can just stay steadfast in how you feel about yourself, feel good about yourself no matter what. It's so much easier to just keep persevering and keep trying and taking yourself to the next level. 
That's so excellent. I can see how that's just absolutely life-changing. It is. It is life-changing. And and I'll give you another technique in terms of how to build your confidence. It, It comes with focusing on, focusing less on looking good and focusing more on getting good. So oftentimes what we're doing is we are, you know, again, because we're social creatures, we're always wondering, you know, if I go and do this, am I going to look good in the end? And if we're focused on looking good, we might say, you know what, if I'm in, I might fail. So I better not, I better not go and do that because I'm going to look bad. So if I'm always focused on looking good, I'm, I might stop myself from going after and engaging in challenges that, I, that actually might be good for me, that take, might take my career or my life to the next level. So when I can instead focus on getting good and focus less on looking good, then I'm just focused on finding opportunities where I can learn and grow and get better and better. So that's what I always say to people is focus less on looking good focus more on getting good. I absolutely love that because we know, uh, you know, we've all taken a sport or a class where we're not good to begin with and it's messy. But by the time you make it to your game or to whatever end goal it is, you know, there's a huge difference and it's not just how you're performing, it's how you feel about it. So I absolutely love that kind of mindset. Well, I so appreciate you joining us here today. You have so much to share with us. We have so much we can learn from you. So uh, I'm excited for our listeners to learn more about your book, Wire Your Brain for Confidence, The Science of Conquering Self-Doubt. And uh, just thank you so much for this gift that, that you're giving us. Well, thank you so much. And it was just so lovely to be on the podcast today. And thank you for having me. If you would like to learn more and get a free sketch note of this episode, visit livehappynow.com. And while you're online, let us know what you thought of the episode. You can find us on Twitter at livehappy, facebook.com slash livehappy, or you can send us an email, podcast at livehappy.com. That's it for this week's episode. We've got much more coming up, so keep it tuned right here. The Live Happy Now podcast. I'm J.R. Houston.